Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So, uh, so we were supposed to record this show last night. Yeah, we, we were. Yeah. Are we going to tell them what happened? We had an argument. We had a massive argument. And we just we went, a, fine then, we won't do it. And then walked off in separate directions. Yeah, we, 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 we kind of came into it, like, you know, kind of all guns blazing. But, you know, this is what we need to get across to people. We you know we are <laughs> a married couple. There's going to be times in the podcast where, you know, normal life takes over. And, and we get a bit pissy with each other. Yeah, you know, because that's what people, people I think need to see or need to hear that we are a normal married couple at the end of the day. And with that, obviously, comes, you know, occasional tiffs, disagreements that could potentially lead to, you know, a hissy fit from Jojo B. I um, didn't have the hissy fit. That uh, was you. I think, uh, are we going to have an argument on here now? Are we no, have an argument on here? but it wasn't me. Well, let's just say it was a little from pot A and it was a little from pot B. And uh, what you know, our normal scheduled time for recording the podcast had to be delayed slightly um, because we didn't even end up speaking to each other for the rest of the night. No, we were just like tired and moody and then we took it out on each other. Yeah, yeah. If you're a married couple and you incur these kind of things, it's natural, it's normal. These things happen, you know. We're friends again today. Yeah, yeah. We made up with each other, um, you know, over the course of the day. Slowly, like baby steps. I kind of feel. Yeah, we're all right now, though. So far, we're okay. You know, the fact that we're sitting here recording this podcast means that we've come to some kind of mutual understanding, uh, knowing that obviously the bigger picture is to ensure that our amazing listeners get another episode on uh, our weekly basis, like we do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo B does not want to be here right now. No, I do. I do. But I, I but, but this is very grudging, Jojo B. Well, right. I'm going to tell you now. It's been a long day at work, and then um, it was a long journey home. Yes. And then now it's really late. It is quite late. It's pretty late in the day for us to normally record this podcast. But you know what? We decided that we're going to put our petty grievances aside, and any kind of minor issues that we may or may not have had from last night, and record this show for our lovely listeners because you know what you guys matter you guys do matter you know but you know what i'm quite sad jojo b why are you sad you know it's been a while since we've got a review or a rating on itunes i don't think people love us anymore uh, is, have we said something have we done know. something wrong I'm, I'm i'm talking to you listeners have we said something to upset you have we has jojo b had one too many moody rants that's incurred the wrath of one of you listeners or many of you listeners, you know, tell us, show us how we can, how you can love us again. What's your problem? Yeah, but what's, what have we done? Like, was it something I said? Was it me? It wasn't me. It was you. It's not you. It's me. It's not me. <laughs> well, we could, <laughs> they could potentially, something may have happened, but anyway, give us a review or rating. You know, that's how you will ensure a loving relationship. This is how we're going to stop us from arguing by making sure people give us ratings and reviews. So if and you, also just making us feel like we're doing this for a reason. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, what's the point? Well, we're making this show for ourselves, Jojo B. And the fact that we've got some amazing people listening to it is a, is a massive added bonus. This is true. I read the uh, Riz Ahmed interview in New York Times. Nice, awesome. And I felt really inspired after reading that. I was okay. just like, do you know what? His whole life is about striving to know that he that he's making a place for himself in the world mm. and that what he does has a benefit or has some kind of impact on culture. Yeah. And you know what? That's what our point should be as well. That's what our purpose in life should be is to know that we're making some An kind impact. of Yeah, we're making some kind of impact or you know, having some kind of cultural moment. relevance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, every week we try to delve into many topics that are relevant to our communities um, and relevant to the wider UK population as well. Um, and I kind of feel that, you know, there's there's a lot of things we haven't covered yet, but remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. There'll be plenty of shows 
barring any more arguments between myself and Jojo B, there'll be <laughs> loads more of these shows to cover many, many more topics. And it's the stuff that I feel that I would want to hear. I'd want to know what's happening right now in our communities because which other platforms are talking about the things that we talk about on a weekly basis, you know? Well, we're doing something that we haven't come across anywhere else. And that's the point is that we thought, well, there's nothing else, no one else doing it. So why don't we? Exactly. You know, I've said on previous shows that, you know, we like to tackle the subjects that many people within our communities find taboo, things that get brushed under the carpet, you know, and all we've done is basically just fill a gap in the market. And, you know, so far, the people that are listening that support and encourage it is what keeps us going, you know, and we'll carry on. As long as we want to. Yeah. As long as you want us to. Exactly. But if you want us to carry on, please send us a review or a rating on iTunes. Likes, comments, shares, follow us on all our social media platforms. Um, and just show us some love. You know, are we are we begging? Are we begging too much? No. Why are we meant to beg for, bro? I think we just need to let you know that we need some love. Exactly. It's, you know, the month of love, September. Is it? From now on, <laughs> September is, is the February? month. Huh? Isn't that February? Uh, it could be. But, you know, because different things work differently in the Indian calendar. Do you know what September is? Uh, the month of love, I just said. No, it's the month of sapphires. Okay. And you know what I love? Sapphires. I love sapphires. You so do indeed. anyone wants to buy me any sapphires, husband, listeners, anyone, feel free. Listener's husband, in that order, basically. Um, I, I've already got her a sapphire for her wedding ring. Um, and so, you know, can't be too greedy in life, Jojo B. Make sure there's enough yeah, sapphires for us. That was like four and a half years ago. So I feel like I need another one. Right. But talking about uh, September and the month of love, so we managed to go to uh, a lovely celebration uh, last weekend, uh, the celebration of Janmashtami. Oh, yes. At the Bhaktivedanta Manor. Lovely. <laughs> okay, people, let's, let's, I'm just going to put it out there now. Jojo B is not the most religious person. I think they already know this about me. They do. They do. Um, but I like to re-emphasize it on a weekly basis, just in case they haven't, just in case they missed a few shows. Um, they can find out that Jojo B isn't the most, I say, I say you're more spiritual than you are religious. Yeah. So going to an event like Janmashtami, which is Krishna's birthday in Hinduism, it may have seemed like a little bit of a chore. Well, for me, you see, I love, I do love a religious celebration, whether I am part of that religion or not, as you will get to know near Christmas time when I go ridiculously excited about it. So like I love Diwali and all those kind of like lovely festivals but I feel like they're just so much more fun when you celebrate them at home. Don't want to spend it with a thousand other people that I don't know in a religious establishment that couldn't care less if I was there or not. So I'd much rather just spend it at home with my family. Mm. So that's my feelings on it. But obviously you guys love going to the temple. And so because I'm a dutiful daughter-in-law and wife, I go too. Yeah, she, she says that. And every time she's there, she actually really enjoys herself. When we were volunteering, it was a different thing because you can feel the love coming from people. Yeah. I don't know, it's a very strange vibe. But like, it's a lovely vibe at the same time. But like, going there as a visitor, it's just, yeah, I hate so, crowds and it was just loads of people. Yeah, this was the first time in 20 years that yours truly was not volunteering. Um, I've been volunteering there since 97, 98, I think it was. Well, 97, because it would have been 20 years. Last year was my last year there volunteering. I thought, you know, time to take a little bit of a break. And I may go back to it in the next couple of years. Who knows? I think it'll be back next year. I, I, you know, he missed it too much. I did. I missed the, you know, the buzz and the and the atmosphere and the and the, the environment of being there. You know, you get caught up not just in the festival and, you know, the amazingness that is Janmashmi in itself. But also, like, you know, the camaraderie and the, and the teamwork and the community that you have amongst your fellow volunteers. And I was team leader, obviously, like, man's a boss. So, you know, I got a chance to, you know, like, delegate and boss a few people around, which is quite cool. He likes being bossy. I'd, he likes he likes all of that. 
He likes telling people what to do. I'm not saying power gets to my head. It does. But, you know, when you're at the top, you know, it's good to be the king, isn't it? So um, I made sure that my area was run efficiently and, you know, it was pretty much the best area in the festival. And that's not my words. That's the words of many patrons and visitors who frequented our area during those days and said, you know what, this area is the best. And I was like, you know what, you're welcome. I, I was kind enough to, you know, welcome Jojo B into our little circle of trust. And this is the thanks I got. Kind enough. You married me and I had no choice. Well, everyone has a choice. A marriage was a choice. I didn't really have... Well, I mean, marriage I, was a choice. I'm marriage still regretting. Marriage was a choice. But uh, the volunteering wasn't Well, this was We were trying, really to make you feel, trying to make you feel <laughs> inclusive because obviously you have no charitable bone in your body. Whatever. So I've raised I, loads of money for charity. But, you know, just... Yeah, charity begins at home and your home life and your family are doing this amazing charity work and you want no part of it. So, really. I did it, I did it for like, what, three years, four years? You did it for three years, but were you there for three years? For the first year, I was like, what the hell is this? What is going on? Didn't even give it a and chance. It was, it was really, it was raining. And they make you wear saris and I had to wear like wellies under my sari and I had to wear a massive raincoat. And I was like, what's the point of this? Just ruining my sari for no reason. Mm. Um, so it was a bit of a miserable experience. But then the, the year after, it was lovely and sunny and it was much nicer. So you, you, you get dictated by weather rather than the heart-filled joy of volunteering. When you have to charity. stand outside all day, yes. Well, you know, I did that on purpose because it's an initiation. When I say all day, it's 13 hours or something. It is, you know, charity work and volunteer work isn't just like a, a walk in the park, you know. Before I say anything too offensive, <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah. get off this Before subject. we get all the Hindu nationals calling into our show with placards outside of our flat. But talking about things that, like, things that I love, Janmashtami, things that you love. Uh-huh. Great British Bake Off. I do love it. I love it so much. Fuck So much. And it's back. And you know what that means? It means that the autumn is coming. And I know everybody's like, oh no, the heat wave's over. But do you know what? That was good while it lasted, but I love autumn. I love all everything to do with autumn. So she she just complaining about the fact that it was raining and oh my god, it's so wet and miserable during Janmashtami. But yeah. as soon as it's like autumn and it's raining, it's miserable, Judge B's like, I fucking love it. I love it. Love life. But I'm not going to stand outside for 12, 13 hours, innit? I love it. Anyway, the good TV starts in the autumn and that includes Bake Off. Yeah, all of Jojo B's favourite programmes come on this time of the year, which means I don't get any TV time. So I ensured that I got as much football as I could during the World Cup and a few weeks of the Premiership. That Whatever, I've got the chance. weekends are yours. They're not really. Our weekends are spent cleaning up our entire flat, running around, getting you know shopping and chores done. And then by the time you're finished, Monday's back on again. Oh, I'm sorry that you have to live in real life. This is the real world, love. Yeah, but I still make sure that you your get time. Your mum and dad can't do all of that for you for the rest of your life. Look, I still make sure that you get a chance to watch your cookery programs and all this kind of thing. When it comes to my football, when it comes to football on, it's like, do we have to watch this? Can we He's watch saying this, watch this? this like he hates cookery programs. He bloody loves them. I love the thought of eating some of these delightful delicacies uh, on programs like Bake Off. And like celebrity master chef and all the other bakwas that she loves, but the sitting there watching them painstakingly make this stuff, I could do without. If there was like a tasting experience at the end of it, I'm all up for that. I'm a taster. I'm not a maker. That sounded really sexist, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? But in the day, I'm there guinea pigging for Jojo B. Why is she giving this really <laughs> dirty look for? Stop ruining all my favorite programs. Well, I'm not going to ruin Bake Off this year for you because there are three Asians. <laughs> in this uh we've been represented not once not twice not five times not 10 times what? not 15 times <laughs> but three times on this show <laughs> there are three asians jojo v i'm not sure how you quite sold that there. three but times three, three times the fun three times the support and two of them are from india two of them are actually from india yeah so brexit didn't really work did it yeah and then there's uh Imagine if one of them wins. One of the ones from India? Yeah. Mate, they, uh, they'll obviously get their own cookery show on Star Plus called yeah, like Rahul Gerasoy like, or something. Oh my God, immigrants are coming and taking all our jobs, including 
The Great Bake <laughs> Bake Off, yeah. The Bake Off title. Not content with being all our doctors and minicab drivers, they're now taking the jobs from our amazing chefs here in the UK. But yeah, there's a there's one guy called Rahul. Yes, Rahul. Yeah. Uh, are you going to elaborate on him at all, JJB? Um, I think he's Bengali from from Bengal. Bengal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we haven't done our research here, people. Um, there's a guy called Anthony who's from Bangalore. Aha! Yes, I've done my research. Um, and there's a chick called Ruby as well, um, who's from here. You know, so one of ours. Um, but you know what? I'd like to, you know, without trying to segregate ourselves, saying yeah, we're just supporting the Asians on this. And we, we are though we're doing sure that they win um because it's all about who is the best baker and who is the best uh craftsman when well it comes rahul's to... been smashing it he has in the first couple of shows that we watched yeah um and you know but even anthony did well the first week as well uh, he's got Ruby... good flavors but his stuff looks a bit like a mess mm, yeah but you know what it's all about the taste and you know in the end of the day and he got some really good plaudits from the judges from for his tasty selections I don't think Ruby's going to, unfortunately, because she's, I like her, mm. but I feel like she's not going to last very long. Maybe not. Maybe Too not. Too many mistakes. Well, we're still in with a shout with three of them, you know, so if the odds are high, the odds are high. We've never had, it's unprecedented with this many Asians on Great British Bake Off. Usually they just stick to like one, one per show. Uh, the token. Although there was that one year where there was Nadia and Tamir. Tamal. Tamal, yeah, Doctor. yeah, they got through to the final three. I think they did both of them. Yeah, did they? Well, I know that Nadia did, but I can't I'm, remember I'm, about Tamal. I'm acting like I actually watched fucking Bake Off. See? I don't. See, he loves it. Really. I don't. He loves I it. I don't watch Bake Off. He loves it. I don't think we were married when it was Nadia's turn. No, we were. No, I think we were because it was one of those one of those shows where I was like, you know what? Because when I'm new, I'm newly married. I'm going to give this show a chance to show how inclusive I am, and I was just like. Loves it. He loves it. I love looking at amazing cakes and I love tasting cakes. I really want some cake. Yeah. If anyone wants to do us a favor, if you don't want to send us a review or rating, send us some cake, you know, so that we should put this on all our social media posts now. Like, review, share, comment, rating, cake. I'm going to say that I get, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want to say, I don't want to kind of make out like, oh, listeners are crazy. But like, you can't just ask for food from people that you don't know. But I, I feel like I know. put something in it. We're, we're one family now with an immigrant family. I'm a hygiene freak. I'm sorry. Jojo B is a hygiene freak. I, on the other hand, uh, have no qualms in anything. So if you if you feel like uh, Swami Barakas needs some cake, it was my 40th a little while ago. Um, thanks for all the gifts, everyone. Um, but I'll let that go if, if you manage to send me some amazing cake. You had enough cake at your birthday. Yeah, I did. But, you know, my, remember I said this is still birthday month for me because it overlaps. September love. September of love, isn't it? September of love. It's <laughs> not a thing. I'm telling you, September is the month of love. It's not a thing. It is, it is now. A May was a word that didn't exist. We brought that to people. Brother was not a word. We brought that to people. September is the month of love. So show us some love, people. Send us some cake. We started it with a massive argument. Well, I'm going to end it with love and cake. Uh, well, anyway, that's the first half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. On the second half, we're going to be having a change of topic after some recent events. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, come back on the other side and find out what it's all about. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And this half of the show, there's a slight change to our plans, our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. Um, so early on this week, we were trying to discuss what we wanted to talk about in this week's show, uh-huh. which seems like the biggest challenge every week, because there's like a million different things that we could talk about. And it's trying to whittle it down to something that's not only currently topical but also things that we feel need addressing as well at the same time 
And we thought, we haven't spoke about the fact that I'm a Gujarati, you're a Punjabi, and within the confines of our marriage, there are many cultural differences. There are. Lots of little small things. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's like any one massive thing that's just altered our life completely um, because of, you know, hindrances within our culture. But there are lots of little, little things that um, on a daily basis that we tackle. Yeah. You know, and so that's what we were going to talk about because um, a few people that listen to us on radio talk about our marriage um, said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Gujarati and my husband's uh, Punjabi and we can really, really relate. And we were like, great. And then over the 21 shows that we've done, we haven't actually talked about that. We haven't addressed it at all, to be honest. Yeah. Apart from maybe a little bit in the marriage episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we thought, you know, this this is going to be something that will at least take up two or three shows because there's so much that we can cover. Um, but this is something that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, and then? And then uh, we were going to record the show last night. During the day yesterday, um, I sent out a little tweet, you know. People that follow me on social media know that I occasionally have a you know, humorous side to my persona. And so, um, you know, there was a, a, a couple of names that came up on Facebook, or one name specifically that came up on Facebook, uh, from someone called Kuntesh. Oh dear. Um, so <laughs> this is sp- spelt K-U-N-T-E-S-H. Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah. Um, now... <laughs> what were his parents thinking? Well, the thing is, like, I, I couldn't, because I, I didn't look onto his profile to find out who he was, etc. But he could have been someone from India. And so that could easily come across as Guntesh, which, you know, is actually quite a you know, nice, normal Gujarati name. Okay. You know, we've had... There's gu- some differences for you between Gujaratis and Punjabis. Do you not have a Kundup? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have a cunt deep. No. <laughs> oh dear, cunt deep. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, the fact of the matter is, uh, it was a, it's a kind of name that you could probably get away with in India, but I think here you're really asking for trouble, um, because uh, that child is going to get just the worst uh, childhood in school ever. Um, and also, we heard of like you know uh, one of our extended family. They've got a cousin or a friend of theirs called Dikesh. Um, and so, like, like why, why, you know, why? Seriously, I've heard some crazy names. You know, Hardik is one of the names that you know I've seen. Yeah. Hardik Pandya, obviously, in the Indian team. Obviously, here he'd be called Hardik. Um, and so, you know, I put out a tweet saying, like, I love my culture. I don't overly preach it but I represent it through all aspects of my creative works and online discussions and vehemently protect it when it's being offensively ridiculed. But even I can't defend seeing parents in the UK call their sons Dikesh or Kuntesh. Kuntesh, sorry. That's really bad. See, this is the thing. I'm just just like, I'm just like, you know, aggravating it even more, you know. So I put this out and loads of people kind of like retweeting and, and kind of, you know, laughing and kind of agreeing that, oh my God, it's crazy. And then I had this one tweet from uh a random a random i'm not gonna call out any names or anything like that if you want to you can follow me on my social media and find the message and and see the replies and see the person who tweeted this but he basically replied to me saying gutchies for you this guy is not gujarati no um i've lived in southall for pretty much most of my life really up until like my mid-30s and the word gachi is a word that I've heard throughout my childhood uh, from being in school. It was used as a derogatory term towards Gujaratis. Uh, I don't care what people say and in, in the context in which they kind of say it. It was used, um, you know, frequently when cussing people of Gujarati nature because all of my friends were Punjabi, all of my friends were Sikh. Uh, you know, and that kind of word was brandished around, you know, fairly regularly as a joking term, you know, 
the same way which we spoke about in a few shows ago uh, when we were talking about Asian attitudes was the LGBTQ plus community um, that during my childhood would call each other gay as a derogatory term, as a as an offensive term, as um, a means of ridiculing somebody else. And the word gachi was used against Gujarati people during that time. So if it was lunchtime and, you know, I didn't want to get any lunch and, you know, or I didn't want to spend a lot, people would say to you, why are you being such a stingy gachi for? And things like that. Um, I heard that a lot then. And really, because you're a child, you don't really think much of it. It's just like, well, it is what it is and stuff. It's just everyone's just joking around. Um, but really, it's, it's you know, it, it's an offensive term. Obviously, I took offense to this tweet that was sent to me. Yes, you did. You know, because it's like, I just thought, Wow, like first of all, I didn't I was I wasn't under the impression that this term was still used to this day because I've been a, away from that community and that town and the people that I have in and around me now in life and the fact that I'm now 40 years old. I thought, "Oh, okay, maybe that word is actually just been confined to that period in the 90s." You know, coming from the sheltered north well, from Newcastle specifically, I hadn't really come across this term. Mm. I didn't I didn't really hang out with Indians, to be fair, when I was at home. I, yeah. Most of my friends were Pakistani or Bangladeshi. I was the only Indian in our crew. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I had no, no kind of idea of what this was or what this term meant. Yeah. Until I moved down here and started hanging out with some more Gujus. And like, and you guys kind of told me what it meant. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's just like a, you know, because I, I've grown up around a very um, heavily populated Asian area, and um, and obviously loads of Gujaratis, Punjabis, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, and obviously words and stuff gets branded around quite a lot. Derogatory terms. You know, this I heard some horrendous words. You know, said against Muslims. I've heard some horrendous words said against Punjabis. And, you know, gachi was one of those terms that were a derogatory term towards us, you know. Um, and I hadn't actually, like I said, I hadn't heard this word in such a long time. And then it kind of really got me thinking, like, you know, we've spoken on the show before about, you know, the communities and how we find that we're segregating ourselves a lot. And for a number of different factors, whether it's... um you know, things like terrorism and stuff that's happening in the UK. And we use that as a means of trying to divide each other because, you know, we're not like them. That's not that's not our life. We're, we're not terrorists. Those people are terrorists. Don't put us under the same bracket. Don't put us under the same umbrella, you know. Um, and that's happened, I guess, more and more since 9-11. And it's happened even more, say, in the last like five, six years when we've had a number of terrorist attacks happening in the UK. And then now we want to, we don't want to be tarnished with the same brush sometimes. Nobody wants to be part of the Asian community anymore. Everyone wants to be in the Indian community. And then if you're Indian, you don't want to be seen as Indian. You want to be seen as like, we're Punjabis or we're Gujaratis or, you know, we're Tamils or whatever. Like there's no kind of unity. Yeah. There's no inter, intra community love anymore. Yeah. It's um, it's it's the word of probably is communalism. Um, yeah. See, so I I, I replied to this guy uh, on Twitter and said that you know this is like, like that's a derogatory term. Like that's a derogatory term towards Gujaratis. I'm a Gujarati. If you hadn't realized this, and you know, I, I it's unbelievable that, I'm, that people still use this kind of offensive terms in this day and age. Where have we come to in life if this stuff is still being used amongst our own people? You know, and, you know, his response to it was, well, you know, Gachi is a district of Gujarat and people often referred to as Gachis are from there. So it shouldn't be so sensational. And I'm thinking, well, yes, that's correct. But the context which you use that word over the course of my entire life of what I've heard it has, has been a derogatory term. You and know. also he was using it as a generalization of Gujaratis because if it's only a district, it's a very specific kind of thing to to comment otherwise. Exactly. So he's using it as a generalization. Yeah. And plus, like my you know, my response to him was you wouldn't call a, a Muslim a P word and then justify it saying, Oh, but it's just an abbreviation of Pakistani, so you shouldn't be all 
you know, get your knickers and twist because of it. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, people have to understand the context of these words and the meaning around those words. And he knew exactly what he was saying. And I think he was just trying to backtrack because, you know, he just got found out. But it, I, I look at this more as a, an ignorant term. It's a, it, it can, a derogatory term, borderline potential racist, you know, but I'm not going to go that far on it. I think it's more ignorance rather than anything. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not the first time I've heard between our communities a sense of discrimination between Hindus and Sikhs and Muslims against each other yeah and between indians and pakistanis and bangladeshis who, who all seem to have some issue with each other absolutely you know you can throw sri lankans as well in the mix and it's exactly the same thing <laughs> like you know we we all came over to this country the same way and you know we had to fight so much oppression well our parents generation and their parents generation had to fight so much oppression from so many different factors whether it was local law enforcement whether it was things like the nf far-right parties um people they worked with people they worked with you know the the most normal like little biddies walking down the road would throw remarks at you it wasn't even like the big skinhead type far-right national front people innocent looking grandmas walk down the road would would throw you a racial slur my dad tells the stories of whether he couldn't get he can get served in a pub yeah. So they did a sit-in. Yeah, remember told us that story, yeah. But they wouldn't serve him. And none of the, the patrons of that pub wanted them there either. Yeah. But they were like, you know, it's a free country. We're not hurting anyone. We're just going to sit here instead mm. until you serve us, basically. But yeah, they couldn't get served in the pub. They couldn't, they weren't allowed to go to certain places. They weren't allowed in places. Yeah. All of these kind of daily prejudices that they had to face. Which just seems so like otherworldly now when you think about how yep. far we've come. But then really, how far have we come? Because, you know, we they did go through all that and they did fight for so much and to ensure a better future for their kids and to, you know, to ensure that now they're integrated now in this society. And so we wouldn't have to face those kind of problems. But now, instead of fighting against the system and against the establishment, we're doing it amongst each other. I think that's the luxury of being a pretty integrated community actually that you can then just start turning inwards and start fighting with each other so you don't have to fight the outward forces anymore the the obvious forces Mm. you can just you've got the luxury of being able to have the time to fight each other instead (laughs) well it's just like it's just the lunatics running the asylum obviously in terms of fighting amongst our, those religions and religious wars they've been going on for hundreds of years yes especially centuries, in, centuries, spe- yeah. yeah absolutely especially in india you know we can go as far back even like the mongols and you know the rulers from genghis khan and things like that and the oppression of the sikh people over that time since that religion got formed um you know hinduism just as bad you know so it's there's been centuries of this you know um then obviously the British Raj came over and everyone was having to take on the empire. Um, and since partition, the wounds and the cracks have still not healed to this day. But we can't change what's happened. We have to move forward from what's happened. And I still feel that, you know, the 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 scars of that have resonated through all aspects of society, including people coming over here. And they've still kept those old thought processes and ideals from back then that haven't really altered those in any way. See, I find this I find this really uncomfortable. Like I was I felt really uncomfortable yes. when I first had to hear those kind of conversations because I didn't grow up like that. Mm. As I've said many times before, the Asian community in Newcastle is very small. Um, I grew up in the West, the east end of Newcastle, so it's even smaller on that side. Um, most of the Asians live in the west end, so there is a bit of division there, I suppose, between yeah. the Pakistanis and the Bangladeshis. Um, but even then, not that much. Um, but in the East End, we all just get on with each other because we all know each other and like, you know, and we, you know, I had, I had the same the same group of friends. Most of my friends were white, but I've had a group of Asian friends that I've had since I was like 16. And we're very, very mixed. There's Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, I'm the Indian. It's it's all cool. And I grew up with, you know, 
Pakistani families as my own family. Like we lived with a Pakistani family for a while when mm. we first moved up to the Northeast and um, they are my family and I don't consider them any different to any of my family still. So I never grew up with that kind of thought process. I never heard those things in my house or anywhere else really. Um, and so when I, when I moved down to London, I started hearing that kind of stuff with the people that I was hanging out with. I was like, what? Mm. I was really shocked that people thought like that down here and it was it was an eye opener that actually wherever there's wherever there are bigger communities of people so there's a large you know Sikh community in one place or a large Hindu community in another place their te- their their kind of prejudice against each other is very very obvious mm. I guess coming from a small community we had to stick together yeah um because otherwise we're just kind of like separate little little entities having to deal battle on our own, whereas together there's a little bit more kind of power, collective power. Yeah. But I just found it really shocking down here that that yeah. was the attitude, and I think that happens in various places in the north as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, like in in places like Bradford and Leeds and stuff. I'm sure it's rife there as well. But because I come from a very small, very small community in a very northern town, it just wasn't part of my life. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And that's the thing, you know, this is the point I'm trying to make. It's like, you know, we've we've come so far, you know, as a collective community. You know, I I, I use the word Asian. I always talk about the fact this is a British Asian podcast. Obviously, I'm a Gujarati and my wife's Punjabi, but we try to tackle the, the subjects and the topics that are relevant to our whole community uh, as a whole, you know. And, you know, within that time... I don't know what it's like in today's generation. I'd like to think that today's generation are a little bit more mixed and they're a little bit more open to other communities, you know, within our circle. But I know it was like growing up in the 90s and, you know, there was a lot of things that happened, say, in India, and that would reflect people's thought processes here. You know, they wouldn't, um, you know, look at the fact that we're here in Britain, we've got our own community, we've got our own way of life and we've integrated now. But they would they would use things that were happening, say, back home in the homelands, as a means of creating tensions amongst each other here. I think that's still the case as well, because the tensions are running high in those homelands at the moment, especially in India between the different communities. And I think people are still using that as an excuse over here. Yeah. And they're bringing it over here and, you know, and... Because there's access to, you know, Indian news channels all the time. Absolutely. And so you see stuff and it's... It's twisted, isn't it? It can be anything can be twisted to your own advantage, and that's what happens on those news channels. I think, and I think that um, people then use that to fuel their prejudice over here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I guess the first real proper signs of this level of segregation, because, like I said, we I heard a lot of these kind of little racist remarks and derogatory remarks against each other's communities throughout you know, my childhood and stuff going around these schools in Southall and and stuff like that. But it was never, I never want to condone these words, but it was all playground, you know, banter. But I guess the, when it first started switching over to the other side, when it's, things started to get a little bit more tense, I guess we'd have to probably look at like 9-11 was when it really, because obviously the ripples of that were felt throughout the world. But the repercussions of it, unfortunately, meant that a lot of people outside of the Islamic community were made victims of violent acts um, from different corners of society, not only in America, but also here. And that's when, you know, people within the Sikh community, even people within the Hindu community, um, really started distancing themselves away from being closely related to anything islamic yeah because if you had brown skin you were you were one of them basically <laughs> that's that's how we see we were seen as the enemy as a yeah. collective and everybody wanted to stop that from happening everyone would be like no that's them not us yeah we're the nice ones we don't do that kind of thing and not realizing that actually we should stick together as a as a ho- community as a whole and say no you can't you can't do this to us. I got stopped and searched. Yeah. You know, and I think every, I think a lot of people got stopped and searched. If you, and that day that I did, it was anyone with dark hair and olive looking skin. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so that, that's what happened. That was the atmosphere that we were living in. 
and and I feel like people just decided that they needed to protect themselves rather than think of as a whole yeah and say fight against the craziness that happened afterwards yeah absolutely um, and it's still happening it is uh but I guess it really stemmed during that time almost 17 18 years ago um I was reading a, a, an article in the Institute of Race Relations um, and actually said that communal tensions in British Asian communities were on the rise uh, and conflict between Sikh and Muslim youths and Hindu and Muslim is becoming a more common occurrence in those a- Asian areas. In Bradford in early 2001, violence flared up between Hindu and Muslim communities. Religious fanaticism of the kind that promotes hostility towards others holds a grip on a small but increasing number and the tensions on Britain's streets were increasingly tied to events abroad, not least the US-led war on terrorism, and then the upsurge of the conflict over Kashmir. For example, in October 2001 in Derby, a 15-year-old Hindu girl was hospitalised following an argument about the events of September the 11th. Tensions were already high in the town following the distribution of an anti-Sikh leaflet credited to the non-existent group Real Kilafa. This was happening... I remember during that time period where there there would just be another news story and it would be, you know, an attack on someone Asian. But you'd also hear these things about, you know, Hindus attacking Muslims or Muslims defending themselves against the Sikhs. You know, there was, I remember in Birmingham especially, there was like massive like rocks that took place over over a number of different towns over the course of a few weeks period. There was a lot of leaflets going around. I remember at that time um, in the Midlands, especially where people were saying, oh, you know, Muslim guys are posing as as Sikhs so that they can try and like get it on with the Sikh girls and then convert them. Yeah. Um, And then there was a counter leaflet that went around that said the same thing was happening with Sikh guys doing that to Muslim girls. And like it just caused so much tension. And I don't think there was any truth behind any of it. Yeah, propaganda, um, I think, it? Yeah, I think it was it was stuff that was done by like the National Front and stuff. Like that. They were they were organizing these things, the BMP, um was- to cause tension between the com- communities and, and cause division. Um and I think that that was all going on at the same time, and then 9-11 hit. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking about the BNP, in January 2002, for the first time ever, the BNP actually managed to convince a tiny faction of Asians, the Share Up and Job grouping, to cooperate on anti-Muslim propaganda. A handful of Sikhs and Hindus joined forces with the BNP and it established contact with Sikhs in London, Reading and Northampton and with Hindus in London, Leeds and Bradford. Um, there was an accountant from West London, 30 years old, who would be unnamed, but said he represented about 100 young Sikhs and Hindus who had collaborated in the making and distribution of BNP recordings. He said this was just the first stage of cooperation with the BNP. His words were, we are not joining the BNP. We are just working with them. We have a very friendly relationship. <laughs> now, this, this, was, this was obviously all the way back in 2002, you know. And, um, you know, even since then, you know, the English Defence League, um, the EDL had a Sikh spokesman and a Sikh division with 12,000 likes on Facebook. Even though the EDL's long history of racism has been well documented, as recently as April 2015, the Birmingham-based Sikh channel gave ex-EDL leader Tommy Robinson an hour-long interview in which he freely ranted against Muslims. So, you know, I was talking about partition and the fact that the empire caused the segregation amongst our communities around that time. We didn't help ourselves, but they accentuated it. In a way, the far right are doing almost the exact same thing for the last 15 to 20 years. I think it's just really shocking. And I think I can't believe that members of our communities are that naive and that thick that they will they will kind of fall into the trap that the these far right groups are setting, which is let's cause division because that means if they're all separate, they're much easier to conquer. Yeah. Than if they work together, so we'll cause some we'll cause some tension between the communities, and you know, and that way we can get to where we need to get to a bit quicker. Yeah. And that that's the intention of that. And these people are so unbelievably thick. Well, like to, I just cannot believe these people should be intelligent people. An accountant, you know, you've gone to university, you'd think that you'd be kind of at least well versed a little bit in the world. No, yeah. you're going to carry on. You're going to carry on being so prejudiced 
that you will fall in with the same people that were kicking your dad's heads in yeah. like just a few years before. Yeah. It makes me it makes me feel sick. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a disgusting affair. It's a real mockery on the fight that our fathers generations went through during the you know the 70s and 80s. You know, we spoke about the Southall riots in a previous show and we were discussing Pump Up the Bunga and how united our communities were. And then, you know, 40 years later to see what's happening within our own people, you know, a lot of these people's a lot of these people would literally be spinning in their graves. Um, you know, there were less violent signs as well back in 2002. Uh, Sunrise Radio, obviously Britain's leading Asian radio station, took the bizarre step of banning the word Asian. This was the culmination of a long campaign by groups such as the UK branch of the Vishwa Hindu Parishad that want to disassociate themselves from Muslims in the public mind by dropping the secular term Asian. Um, I've heard a few things recently as well where people have described themselves as British Indian or I'm British Punjabi, you know, I'm British Muslim. And you really wouldn't have heard those kind of, that sort of terminology even 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Not even 10 years ago, I don't think. We were still British Asian back then. Yeah. And I... I I still am. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, I I, I want to champion that more and more and more because I talked on a previous show about the person I was 20, 25 years ago and I've learned so much and I've experienced so much and I've matured so much to where I am today and I'm thankful I'm not that person and the things that were said during those playgrounds should be confined to that time period and locked away and, and never have to address those kind of issues and stuff again. This tweet that I got the other day just reminded me that I don't think the necessarily the rest of my community may not think that way, you know, and that's a real sad, sad shame. It could be just be a minority, but all it takes is for one or two of those little things to start surfacing again amongst our communities. And at a time right now where tensions are so high within the broader UK population with Brexit and the referendum vote, that you're seeing underground racism, you know, uncovered in all aspects of society. Who's to say that's not the same within our communities as well? You know, a lot of things I've heard about people that voted for Brexit, Asians that immigrated to this country only a few years ago voting for Brexit because they didn't want immigrants taking over their jobs. I did say at the time, if you're voting on this because of immigration and you're an immigrant or you come from an immigrant family... Don't think that you're excluded from it. No, we're brown. We stand out. People will want us out as much as they want the Polish person next door out. You know, like don't think that we're not included in that list of people that they want to get get rid of and get out of this country. Yeah. So it was foolish. It was a foolish thing for people to do, and still people will stand by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you know. they think they're some kind of special case, and you're not. None of us are. If we stand out in the crowd, which we do because of the colour of our skin, we are not going to be made a special case. No, no, we're not. Um, you know, I think this this subject is is something that we really need to address in real detail, I think, on a future show. Um, because there's so many different levels of it that you can really dissect and get into the crux of the reasons why people have resorted to this level of discrimination against each other's communities. There's so many different factors and we've touched on a few. Um, but, you know, it's something that happened over the course of the last few days and I really think, for me, I needed to address it and get it off my chest and rant because um, it, it was just sad for me to think that there's still levels of that in today's society. I put a tweet out, you know, later on after this post and I'll just end it basically on the messages I said on this tweet because I think that covers exactly how I feel and, you know, how we need to address this going forward. In my life, I've seen Sikhs disrespect Hindus, Hindus to Muslims, Muslims to Sikhs, all racially against each other. When are we as a collective community going to learn that by segregating ourselves and discriminating against each other is just what they want from us? Always. I'll always realise the wounds of partition will run deep. We can't change what's happened. But why, as a people, having fought against oppression together coming to this country, do we feel that turning on each other with even small racial remarks is how we progress? Do people not realise that separated we're vulnerable, but together we're invincible? Out there there's no difference between the different communities. 
whether Hindu, Sikh, Muslim, were all pushed under the same immigrant umbrella in their eyes. But why fight it? Embrace that. But ignorance between ourselves, we achieve nothing, we acknowledge nothing. Today's generation take for granted the fight fought by our elders, and though they themselves are guilty of the same backwards infighting hate, let's not continually commit past ignorance for future progress. I think it sums it up very nicely. Well, there you go. Right, I will get back to the normal level of topics and current affairs uh, on next week's show. We want to get it out to people that we're still debating whether to have this show weekly or every fortnight. And, you know, it's something that we've discussed between the two of us for a little while. But, you know, we want to put it out there to our people, to the people listening. What would you prefer? If you prefer us to keep doing it on a weekly basis... We will keep churning out hot topics of agenda on a weekly basis. <laughs> uh, if if you prefer it fortnightly, then we can do that also. We've obviously got a very busy life being a married couple, but we'll still find time for our people. But you just let us know what you'd prefer. How often do you want to hear our lovely voices, our e dulcet tones? Exactly. My baritone and her monotone. Monotone? Well, that's the end of another week. Nightingale voice, that's what I've got. Sweet Nightingale voice. Of the Native Immigrants Podcast. <laughs> I'm Swami Brackus. And I'm Jojo Nightingale B. We're signing off, people. See ya. September, month of love. Thing. Peace. Peace.